0: I believe that the way to build a community is not just we share a hobby, but is who are we beyond the hobby? I call my show Casual Magic, but it's actually just about magic casual. Like it's casually about magic, right? Like magic is tangential to what we're actually there for. Actually, what it is, is I'm talking to people that I know because of magic, but I want to know who they are as humans. I had Ork, who's a Vorthos community member, who's like a hardcore Vorthos in the crew. And... Uh, he used to work at a company called Harmonix. We're going to talk about for three fourths of the hour. We're going to talk about rock band and like being in QA and being in the video games industry, and then we're going to talk about a handful of Homeland cards so that people don't think I'm not a Magic podcast anymore.
1: Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to Humans of Magic, the show that gets up deep and personal with your favorite Magic the Gathering personalities. I'm your host, James Sue. Welcome to episode 101 with Shivam Bhatt. Shivam is a commander personality, a member of the commander advisory group, and host of the podcast, hit podcast, Casual Magic. I'm so excited to present this episode because this was a really cool series where Shivam and I interviewed each other for our podcast because we have, we both have interview podcasts and uh, his podcast where he interviewed me on Casual Magic just came out this week and I am trying to return the favor. We had such a great time just taking turns interviewing each other and it's really about the art of the interview. So you can go listen to Casual Magic to hear me talk about interviewing, or you can listen to this episode to hear him talk about interviewing. We have different styles, but we have a deep appreciation for each other's craft. And, you know, us podcasters, we have to stay together. We have to learn from one another and collaborate. And I'm so happy to get this episode out. Shivam is also an incredible positive personality, his Twitter account is just wonderful. He's full of great ideas. He's super talkative. He just has a joy for the game of Magic the Gathering that you will very apparently hear on this episode. I would love to get your support on Humans and Magic the Project. So if you have not had the chance, please follow us on Twitter and Instagram. Both accounts can be found at Humans of Magic, one word. We also have a new Patreon, patreon.com slash Humans of Magic. If you want to join our exclusive Discord community, you want me to help review your podcast or content, happy to do that through the Discord and the Patreon. I have switched to a weekly release format. So Humans of Magic is always going to be free. It's always going to be a labor of love, but the Patreon is going to go a long way to cover the additional intensity of the workload and i'm really happy to do weekly episodes i want to get more humans and magic content out so your support is always appreciated the phenomenal music you hear in this episode and every episode of humans and magic is supplied by kupla that's spelled k-u-p-l-a kupla is an absolutely fantastic musician he's a magic player and you can find all of his music on all the streaming platforms including spotify and soundcloud definitely give him a follow on twitter as well koopla sound and uh tell him humans of magic said hi today on humans of magic i am here with commander player thinker and all-around renaissance man extraordinaire shivam but shivam how are you doing today sir
0: I am doing great. It is wild to be interviewed by a person who, like, as a person who does interviews a lot, it's wild to be on the other side of the microphone, but it's uh, delightful to meet you finally.
1: Yeah, I'm kind of nervous a little, <laughs> to be honest, because you're you're obviously a, quite a an established podcaster, and you've done more you know, episodes than I have, and yeah. <laughs>
0: have I? Yeah, but you only put like one out a month or something,
1: right? I'm now it's weekly, but there there were like whole stretches where I would do like you know an episode every three months, and that was just not (laughs) that was just not the way to do it, right? Because you want consistency. That is.
0: That is consistency on some time scale, like a geological time scale. As in, I, the
1: podcast is still consistently alive, and that's pretty yeah, much it.
0: Things come out eventually. Chill. Think- <laughs> <it's fine. laughs>
1: yeah. Uh, but, you know, you're, I would say your reputation definitely precedes you because you're just such a beloved figure and well known person in the magic community. I, I would say magic community. I wouldn't even say commander community, just magic in general. You just have this, like, the way you express yourself in your tweets and, you have lots of great ideas <laughs> and there's people wearing your shirt at command fest. And do you have this the whole, army thing that's ever for fans of and it's just, it's just incredible. Like, I don't know, like you've got a lot going on, right? It is. It is wild
0: to think about. It is wild to think about. Like, this is my second podcast, right? Like I was originally on a podcast called commander for like five years. Um, and after that ended, I started my own show and when i went independent because the prof was like hey you should just do your own thing when i went independent i was not expecting that anybody want to listen i wasn't expecting that anybody would care because i was just like i just want to have a reason to talk to my friends and so to go to um command fest richmond and then to walk in because it's like coal as apparel and one of my sponsors was like hey we're gonna put a shirt out for you and i'm like oh sweet why not why would you say no to that right and um I did it and they designed this cool shirt and we put it out and I bought one. And like, you know, some people follow me on Twitter, bought one. I was like, okay, that's neat. Whatever. I sold a couple. It's cool. I go there and first off, you know, Cedric emails me and is like, "Yo, yeah, well, your shirt sold out. And I'm like, sold out? Like, is that possible? I didn't think that was a thing that happens. And then I go into Richmond and there's like eight to 12 people on that first day of Richmond who are wearing my t-shirt walking around. Some of them were my friends, obviously, but some of them were people I had never, ever seen before who were just people who followed me or you know, whatever. And I was completely taken aback because it's one thing to sit there and go like, yo, uh, you know, I put something out. It's another thing to be like, oh, my God, somebody paid money for this and somebody's wearing it and somebody likes me enough to have invested that kind of time and wants me to see this. They knew I was going to be there, so they wore this on purpose, so that I could see it. And I'm just like, the levels of emotional, like, attack <laughs> that is. I was like catatonic. I was just like, oh my god, I, I feel deep gratitude and validation, and it's incredibly weird.
1: <laughs> yeah, and you've been on this just incredible journey with the podcast. I know you had. I I knew you had mm-hmm. the first one, but. This podcast you have now, Casual Magic, it's just like I feel like it's on another level because I think you've talked to basically every big magic player. Like you, you'll you'll talk to Reed Duke, and then you'll talk to famous people in Commander. I mean, I guess you're one of the famous people, but like Olivia <laughs> or Rachel, and you know. I mean,
0: I've tried. Like I'm, it, it started out because I was like, I want to have a place to talk to my friends because when I started the show it was before pandemic. So it was just more like, Oh, cool. I like, I just want to have a week to chat with people, but like three weeks in or whatever, the, the lockdown hit in 2020. And suddenly I, I, as a deep extrovert who needs people to talk to, well, I've got this one hour long show dedicated time on a weekday where I can grab somebody and just chat. And we were all in lockdown. We were all in this kind of weird quasi space where as magic players, we can't go play magic anywhere. We could play over zoom or spell table or something, but, you don't have somebody to talk to just on like a and everybody at time because everybody was like, oh, doing nothing. And I was like, well, I got an interview show, so I'm just going to invite people over and we're just going to chat and tape it. And so I had people like my friend Alex Kessler or Tappy Toe Claus or Olivia or whatever just show up on my thing so we could just sit and BS for an hour. But as I went on, like I was like, well, if I'm going to do this like 10, 11 episodes in, I'm like, if I'm going to do this, I should try to see let's start fishing. Let's see what happens. I'm like, all right, commander rules committee. Come on my show. Okay. Let's see what else is there. Maybe we can get like, I don't know, Aaron Forsyth to come on or Mark Rosewater to come on. And then I just started throwing random names out there. I'm like, okay, I'm going to have the mountain goats. Cause that's a band that plays magic. That loves magic. Has to play magic. Yeah. yeah. He's a hardcore nerd for magic. And I'm like, you're stuck at home too. Why don't you just come on my show? And suddenly I've got a rock star on my show. Okay, great. Let's go.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, like I got Brandon Sanderson, a person who I've got a personal relationship with. You got Brandon,
1: you got Brandon Sanderson. I've got to listen to that.
0: He came on my show and we talked for like two hours or something because I am one of the people who is the early reader for his novels. Like, because I have a long relationship with Sanderson. He took over the wheel of time books. I was a hardcore wheel of time fan Uh and I went and I got chosen to be one of the volunteers at a signing. And then we became really good friends. I brought a box of gate crash. We drafted it that night. Uh, You know, traded information. And then every time he's come by, I've went and I've shaken his hand. We've just had great times. And he invited me to be an early reader for his Oathbreaker books or his uh, whatever his latest series is. And so I've been doing that for a few books. And then I was like, hey, man, do you have a minute? Can you just jump on my show? And he's like, sure, let's go and let's do it. But that's like, you know, that is way outside of just now I'm going to talk to my friend, the content creator with like 30 mm-hmm. followers. Right, this is Brandon Sanderson, mm-hmm. and um, I don't know. It just what I've learned is that there is no harm in just throwing crap to the wall and seeing, seeing if anybody will answer. Like I got Chris Cluey, who is a famous football player, former Magic player, and just D and D nerd altogether. Mm-hmm. Who's like. And we sat and we talked about punting and stuff. And I was like, why not? What are you going to do? He's like, I have nothing but time. And I'm here playing board games. <laughs> so uh, it's it's been interesting. It's been yeah. really interesting to just like kind of like getting Andrea Mangucci, who is like way outside of my. Um, he doesn't. He's not like I mean, He's an every magic player, but he's not a commander player. Mm-hmm. You know, like he's not like this is my thing. He's like a pro level player. And I'm like, oh, I'm going to have Mangucci on the show. And then I was like, okay, Reed Duke, you're one of my favorite players of all time. I'm going to have Reed on the show. I got Marshall Sutcliffe, who is, of course, you know, the die hardest of commander players to come on my show. (laughs) And um, he's been on multiple times, you know, it Mm -hmm. just, it's because I think part of it is like, I didn't want to be a commander show. Like I did five years of talking about commander week in and week out. And you're like, I have to make new decks and I have to keep up the meta and I have to, blah blah. I don't care. Mm -hmm. Like I'm on the commander committee and whatever, but I just want to talk to magic players about basically what you like my inspirations were twofold one is you one is what you were doing which is actually having human conversations with magic players and number two was um Aaron Campbell's deck tease which Mm. was like the first real interview podcast that was going on and mind you mine is a lot less horny than hers was but, (laughs) but at the same time it's all about I believe that the way to build a community is not just we share a hobby but is who are we beyond the hobby like i call my show casual magic but it's actually just about magic casually like it's yeah. casually about magic right like magic is tangential to what we're actually there for ah uh, so it's right. gonna kind of have a
1: double meaning or more than exactly
0: yeah yeah like originally i was just like oh i'm a scrub player i want to do chaos drafts and play commander it's about everything that's not just standard it's casual magic fine and then i was like actually what it is is I'm talking to people that I know because of magic, but I want to know who they are as humans. Right, And so it's casually, like, I had BiblioVork, who's a Vorthos community member, who's like a hardcore Vorthos in the crew, and uh, he used to work at a company called Harmonix. Harmonix makes rock band and amplitude. Oh, yeah, I
1: remember rock band. Yeah.
0: Yeah, and I used to be in the video games industry, and I was like, oh, we have like a lot of shared connections and people we know in common and whatever, and I was like, okay, well, we're going to talk about for three fourths of the hour. We're going to talk about rock band and like being in QA and being yeah. in the video games industry. And then we're going to talk about a handful of homeland cards so that people don't think I'm not a magic podcast. Yeah.
1: I mean, that's, that's great. I mean, I feel like <laughs> our shows have a similar ethos. It's just, I, I was actually joking with one of my guests the other day. It's like, if we talk, I, I told him, if we talk, if less than 10% of our time is spent talking about Magic the Gathering, then the episode will be a success hey, because it's not a strategy podcast and it's more about just getting to know the, the person, which I think that's what casual magic is. Mm. I, I am interested though, to know you went from doing a commander podcast, which I think it's, there's a lot more, I would say a lot more of a structure or maybe yes. not structure, but there's more themes that, you know, you yes. can go There's to. more like, like, you know, you can talk about this week. The list is like limitless, but there's also kind of a,
0: There's formulas. There's those things that are like preset plugins. Yeah. Yeah. There's a set review episode. Here's the deck for like the two main legends.
1: Here's the new, yeah, new set review. Here's the new, like, yeah, exactly. How do I build the commander deck? What's a good commander deck in these colors or trios? It was very
0: scheduled. It was very, yeah, like you could follow a pattern and a rhythm.
1: So, Um, did it feel, I mean, you said at first when you did casual magic, it was you sat down with, friends people whom you're you're closer to at first but so I think that's probably a good way to get into it but then Mm -hmm. as you went from that to talking to people that you didn't know as well and you had to have a more unstructured conversations just because that's way that's the way your podcast is Mm -hmm. did you have any any kind of a learning curve or challenges at first
0: well do you have to remember my background is in journalism I was an English major in college But I was, you know, communications and in English and Japanese, in English and international relations the focus on Japanese. So that's a very profitable and rich uh, field to study, let me tell you. Um, But what happened is that I'm a talker. I'm like intrinsically a a communicator. Mm -hmm. And um, I found the structure of having a full commander podcast very trapping, very draining and very boring. Like I crave variety and like difference because I have ADHD as well. So that means like having the same thing every week and be like, well, here's the new, you know, Amon commander, here's the new College Commander. Yay. Okay. Who cares? It's boring. And like when I was doing Commanderin, there was maybe a handful of shows. There were like three or four commander shows at the time. So there's Commando, there was, Command was Commander, and there was like um and th- some other like handful of very smaller shows. And like the commanders grew up in uh, Toronto and some other folks. And it was easy to be able to just get away doing that. Now there are 12 billion commander shows out there, right? There's a commander show for every kind of like uh, flavor of commander you could possibly want. You want your CDH, you want your EDH, you want your popper, your, your artisan, whatever, you know, whatever flavor of commander you want. I find that you don't, if you want to have a set review for commander, you can get, 10,000 set reviews for Commander. It's like in the old days, we used to listen to um, limited resources because that was one of the few places you could get a set review, right? Right. Like they would go card by card and you would sit there and be like, okay, these are the commons I need or whatever. Now, every podcast does set reviews. Every website does set reviews. Similarly for Commander, every show is out there doing decks for every legend. Every show is out there doing, like, look at these cool cards that are out here that are going to break the game. And that's just not my jam. What happened is that So professor um, of Tolarian Community College, who is a good friend of mine, we both came back to Magic at the same time, right? Like I've told this story before, but basically at at Innistrad pre-release, we were both um, we brought back to the game for different reasons because we were both into zombies and whatever. And at the same exact store, same exact pre-release, me, him, his wife, Christine, and a bunch of like other friends of ours, Ashlyn Rose, who's becoming a famous cosplayer now and other people who were in our community, we were all in this store in Pacifica, California, and we all came back to Magic together and we all became friends because of it. And like early on, even Josh and Jimmy would fly up from uh, Los Angeles to come to our pre-release and hangout. There was a time a new month, the Nummy came down, um, et cetera, et cetera. And I was up there a few years ago in 2018, Prof invited me, Tappy and Olivia to come up to film a sketch, to do a sketch called like the Commander Council which was just hell. Of I remember it like that. I watched this. Yeah. It's like, I'd never done sketch before. Olivia dressed me up like Felden. It was super funny, but we did that. And then we were just hanging out and drinking and just chilling. And they knew that I'd been discontent with my show. Like that Commanderin was starting to drain on me because I was doing a lot of work. And it was constraining, right? It was constraining. And also like the partnership wasn't working and there were other, you know, when you're in a show with other people, you have to deal with all the,
1: the thing yeah. that comes with it being it's a like being in a band you have to there's creative differences. exactly like that yeah. yeah
0: and there was creative differences in what we wanted to do what direction we wanted to take the show and they were like look man you are obviously unhappy why don't you just start your own show and i was like because olivia had been guessing on my show at that time as well she had been a guest host who had just come on it's like maybe you and olivia can go spin off and do your own thing and i was like, maybe and olivia's like or you can do a thing and i can just show up once in a while i'm like that's fair too <laughs> but like for instance profit started his show to shuffle up and play that was one of the names that we had been tossing around for casual magic originally mm-hmm. and so i was like here you can have it and he's like perfect i'm going to use this but um yeah so i came home from that and then we went to gp vegas 2018 and or 2019 something whatever gp vegas i was and i told my uh co-host i'm like look i'm gonna what happened is I, so i as a, in the video games industry, I worked at One Up and at EGM and a bunch of other, bunch of other very famous magazines. And one of my old coworkers started his own podcast network with advertisers and stuff. And he's like, "Hey, chief, I know you've got a podcast. Commander is something that, or Magic is something we're interested in discovering because we're a nerd entertainment podcast. I'm starting a new network. Do you want to be one of my flagship shows? You want to bring your show over?" And I was like, "What if I started a new show and started it from scratch on your network?" And he's like, "That's fine too." And so. That's how I ended up leaving my last show commander in and uh, started casual magic. Cause I was like, here is a perfect way to, for me to segue not hurting anybody's feelings and be able to move on and be able to have more control over what my show is about. Yeah. And like, when if you look back at my first few episodes, they were about things that were very much not commander deliberately. Like the first episode about chaos drafting. And then an episode about like elves in magic, just like, what does an elf deck look like in pauper or modern or whatever? You know, just like I tried to hit a whole swath of things that were very much not commander so that I could cause a separation.
1: So it was a very deliberate. It was like, I want to be almost like the anti commander or not what I was doing. before. I just
0: want to break out of this box of just being, I mean, it hasn't worked. Everybody's still like shooting the commander guy. And I, because one of the weirder things is that also around that time, I got invited by Loading Ready Run to come up to Canada to do one of the pre pre releases mm-hmm. for Ravnica Legions, whatever it was. And it's weird. I should be letting you drive the interview, not me drive the interview. No, no, this um, is good. This is good. But so when I was up there uh, in Canada, I get an email from, I'm sitting here in my hotel room. The next day I'm going to be going on camera to play for the first time uh, Ravnica. And I get a call and I get an email. And it's from Sheldon Mennery, who I've had on my uh, show, Commander, before. And he emails me. And he's like, hey, we're starting up a Commander advisory group. Uh, Because he'd been talking about, like, I want to grab a bunch of, like, content creators or people in the know, come in to tell me, what are we missing in Commander? How can we broaden the scope of Commander? How can we reach the people who are outside of our immediate vision sphere? And he's like, tell me what you think of this idea. And tell me why you think you shouldn't be on it. And I was like, "Why I shouldn't be on it? I'm like, I should be on it because I'm a clown. I don't know crap about anything. Nobody <laughs> wants my opinions about Commander. I'm just a dude who talks into a microphone. They're way smarter people. And I gave them a bunch of people to talk to, like uh, Rachel Agnes, who's over at Wizard of the Coast now, who used to write for like Vintage um, at CFP and yeah, other Baytog, things. Yeah, yeah, Beato, who she's a, one of the best magic players I've ever seen in my life. B, one of the most brilliant commander players I've ever seen. She knew the format inside. I'm like, you should talk to her. And then I was like, you should talk to like Charlotte Sable, uh, jackal girl who's like a judge from Finland who's one of the most, like brilliant geniuses in uh, knowing uh-huh. the rules inside and out. And just all these other people I'm like, talk to Josh Lee Quai, don't talk to me. And, so initially
1: you actually didn't really want that. Like you thought they were more well, qual- okay. qualified folks.
0: I mean, Sheldon told me explicitly, tell me why you shouldn't.
1: Right. right.
0: But the other thing, I'm, I'm not going to turn down a gig like this. This is sweet. Why yeah. wouldn't you like innately? It, there's this thing of like, hey, I'm not qualified for this. But at the same time, I am so I mean, at the time, I was so deeply representative of what the vast majority of commander looked like, which is people who go to the store buy a pre-con maybe once a year or something, buy a pack once every couple of months, maybe, oh, new set came out, I'll buy a pack. Oh, look, there's a cool dragon in there. I'll put it into my dragon deck at home. They play their deck and they put it out and then they think about it not anymore at all. Mm-hmm. You know, like, let me finish my story before I tangent off into that because that is an important reason as to why I'm there. But yeah, so like um, he calls me and basically what happened is Josh Lequai had been picked number one. Josh says talk to Shivam and other people. I was picked number two for the... Um, the commander advisory group and because of that i ended up getting pigeonholed in this notion of being the commander guy anyways even though despite my best efforts i was like Can't escape it i, I want to be about magic and just casual playing magic and it's like yeah but you're still the commander guy and i'm like okay, and fine. commander
1: is casual part of casual commander magic is also
0: the heartbeat of casual magic it's also the most popular way people play and it's a thing I know intimately well. So if I'm going to just know it, then I'm going to. And one of the interesting things happened is like, let's say five or six episodes in, um, we had the first CAG meeting and that result. Well, not the first, like maybe that was a year into the commander advisory group. Um, we banned Flash. Flash is one of those very controversial cards because in 90% of commander games, it did nothing in the 10% of the highest level cdh games it was destroying the entire community mm-hmm. and i as a hardcore casual player i'm like i don't care but my but i was very loud in trying to get the commander rules committee to understand that the people like me are not the only people who play commander that there is an echelon of people a community a meta of people who play ball to the wall bleeding edge commander who want to play the most skill testing high powered commander they can and they're getting completely lit on fire by this damn card that is uninteractable and ruining games and yes we at my tier can just say don't play that card and we'll be fine but those people are compelled by spikiness by like their personality by their desire to be like yo i want to play the best thing i can possibly play and win with that this is it and it is destroying our games can you please help us and i'm like look We might not like the decor inside their house, but we still help our neighbors put their fire out when their house is on fire. Right? Like we can discuss whether their curtains are cool or not after their house isn't burning. And I was very adamant about that because. So I'm a Hindu and I'm a Hindu priest on top of that. And part of that is also, I believe very much in compassionate activism in loudly being an advocate for people who don't have advocacy and that, whether that's marginalized people, whether that's people on the fringe, whether it's my own community, or if it's people who play a game of magic that I really, really hate, but they still deserve to be able to play it and have a good time. And so what happened is like five, six episodes in, we banned Flash and um, or the RC banned Flash. The CAG doesn't do that sort of thing. And then I went and I recorded a podcast. I'm like, this is why Flash needed to be banned. And people were like, this is amazing. Thank you so much. Like, you know, you have shed light on this community that. I did not, either I didn't appreciate because I'm a casual player and I thought they are just pub stompers or, hey man, I know that you and I don't agree on what kind of magic to play, but thank you for saving my game and my community. Mm -hmm. And I was like, this is what the platform is for. It's Mm -hmm. for talking to people, finding their humanity and then helping other people understand the humanity of each other.
1: Right. And looking outside yourself because you may be okay with Flash, but there are going to be other people who don't enjoy it. and. It's really like having that sort of what what's the word like empathy for other yeah. players. I think is very important. Exactly.
0: Well, it's like you know. You have, do you know the card Iona?
1: Yeah, I do. Yeah.
0: Iona, of course. Like for those of you at home who don't have every card memorized, is a white card which is like a big expensive angel which basically says pick a color. You can't play anything of that color. The first thing we did when we started the CAG was they were like. We're banning Paradox Engine, so deal with it. I'm like, fine, whatever. Nobody wants Paradox Engine except for the people who do, but screw those people. Um, (laughs) Is there any other things that you want banned? And I immediately was like, A, Painter Servant should come off the ban list, and B, Iona should go on. And the other six uh, people on the CAG also had their different opinions and up and downs about what we wanted to do, and I will let them speak to themselves. Uh, But for me, Iona is one of the most hateful cards in Magic especially for commander, especially for multiplayer game, because what it does is, and it goes back to empathy. What it does is it sits there and says one person at this table doesn't get to play magic. One person at this table, we're sitting here for like one to two hours, one to three hours, whatever. Four of us, we've come out here to socialize, have a good time, chill, play casual game of magic card over. Like we could be playing board games. We could be eating pizza. We could be going to a movie. This is the thing we've chosen to do, but let's say that I got an Iona and there's four people in the pod. The other three people are playing green. One is, you know, green, blue, one is green, red, and one is just mono green. I put Iona down. The smart thing to do is just call green. The red player and the blue player both have things to do. Mono green is just now stuck Mm -hmm. and they're stuck for like X amount of hours. Yeah. They can concede or they can beg and plead to see if the rest of the table takes pity on them to let them play. But either way, I have taken away their agency. I've taken away their right to sit at the table be part of this communion that we're having be part of the community and i forced them to sit down and just so what happened to prompt this i was at an lgs and i saw a kid who'd come in and they had uh, the uh, 2014 pre they were monocolored precons, and they had i think like the white one or the black one or something they sat down at the table somebody plays iona out of the reanimator deck and throws down and just named white and this person who could not have been more than 15, 14, 15 years old, sitting there looking through all their cards, they realize every card in their deck is white, except for like the artifact. All their artifacts are already in play or in the graveyard. And now they're like, I, I can't play mm-hmm. and I've got nothing to do. You could see the tears kind of start there because they did they're too young to understand the politics of the game or how to convince other people you need to kill that so that I can help you do the thing. Because this is their first game of Commander. This is a pr- brand new precon deck that they've just bought. They've literally been locked out of the game and have no recourse. And like, it's just heartbreaking. And I was at that moment, I was like, this, this is not okay. This is absolutely not okay. This, it's one thing to sit there and say, I play a card that just lets me win the game, right? It's, you know, let's say Coalition Relic or whatever it is. I win the game. Fast as Oracle, I win the game. Okay, fine. You won the game. The other three people lost the game yeah there's a difference
1: between winning and you can't play magic
0: yeah there's a difference between i won the game and you specifically lost the game Mm -hmm. and i was offended by that because that goes against everything i stand for as a, a casual player as a as a person who is empathetic and cares about community building having a card there just just says strictly that one doesn't get to play is messed up and people were just like why would you do this? I, this card's been out for ten years and hadn't done crap. Nobody cared. Blah, blah blah. And I'm like, yeah, but you know what? You only need to see one person get locked out of a game once to understand why this is heinous, why this is wrong, and we don't want Watsi to print out more cards like this. And we don't want we want to send a message saying, look, it's okay for you to win the game, but it's not okay for you to force somebody else to just lose by themselves. Yeah. And that that was a stand I was willing to take.
1: How do you balance the something like a ban list? Well, actually it's kind of two questions, but how do you, first one would be like, how do you balance the ban list with rule zero or having mm-hmm. social contracts? What, what's your view on that?
0: So with the caveat that I don't get to have full say over the ban list, right? There's four people in the rules. Sure. It's the ones advising ones or making yeah, it's advisor, but they take our advice, right? Like they do listen. And this is, Like the notion of rule zero, which is one that like, you know, we wrote the commander philosophy document with the intention of giving people kind of a ground rule of, this is what we built the format for. This is what we hope you accomplish out of it. This is what we're hoping you're trying to do. And having rule zero discussion, people have completely misunderstood it since the day we announced this kind of idea because people are like, oh, you're just using it to gatekeep other folks out of the game. Oh, you're saying like, it's rather than, so one of the comments we would get is, Rather than legalize planeswalkers as commanders, you are forcing your gatekeeping it and then like deflecting it onto the groups to decide like to let them do your dirty work and say, No, you can't play planeswalkers as your commander. But what it actually is meant to do is not like to not change the rules of the game or to not like ban anything. The whole point of rule zero is to sit there and make sure that if you and I are sitting down at a table to play magic, we are here with the same assumptions and the same understanding. Like if you and I sit down to play a game of modern and we're at like a GP, we know what we're here for. I'm here to beat you, you're here to beat me. I'm here to progress and get up to the top eight and win. The the rules are on the ground they're very cleanly stated, right? In Commander, you don't have like that kind of very built in like assumption. CEDH is different because CEDH has that tournament level assumption of we're here to win, I'm here there will be no hurt feelings, however, I choose to win. We all understand we're going to try to kill each other as fast as possible, but every tier of commander underneath that doesn't have that. And you end up with things that are like, you know, this is my sapperling deck using tribal forgotten realms cards, I mean, not forgotten realms, fallen empires cards, and then fighting up against this is my Zer the Enchanter Turbo Stacks deck. We're both casual, but one of us is going to be having a lot worse of a time than the other, and our goal is that not to gatekeep people out of stopping to play what they want to play, but more to sit there and say like, yo, you know what? If you're, if you are obviously not on the same page and that person wants to play Phoenix Turbo Mill and you just want to sit here and play like, you know, Celestia Tokens or something and you're not going to have a good time with each other, maybe you should get up and find a different group or literally do anything else because not playing Magic at all is better than having a really terrible two hour long experience that leaves you not wanting to come back. Right. Yeah,
1: yeah and absolutely. So like, there's a lot of magic states where it's just like, I'm technically alive, but I'm not, I, I was dead maybe like five turns ago. Exactly. There's, it's like, you know, it's, it's
0: like there's times when you're like, okay, well my death is inevitable. There's nothing like, that's why I like hate cards like torment to Hailfire, which is just like you killed me, but now you're going to make me do this illusionary choice nonsense rather than just win the game. And I'm like, that's just, that's like taunting. Because if you're going to kill me, kill me. I don't care. But like sometimes you sit there and you're like, oh, that person's got like four propaganda effects. I have to pay like 12 mana to attack them with one creature. And, or they're playing Turbo Planeswalkers and bouncing every card I have. I'm technically dead. Yes, I can draw cards and play something, but there's nothing for me to do. Yeah. There's times that happen. But it's like, look, if we all understand what we're here to play. If we all understand like, hey, you know what? It's the end of the night. Let's pull out our vault. Korvald- tier decks and just go slam each other or you know today i want to play a little bit slower let's go and try to play like you know some funner lower powered like i played a game the other day against uh, alias v and olivia and they were like we want to play Mm -hmm. no wrath this game and i'm like all right cool no wrath done every wrath just says title two, draw a new card right Mm -hmm. perfect and that's a rule zero discussion or like my friend alex Kessler is like hey you know what i've got this uh boros deck that i want to have um uh, Nahiri be the commander of because it's flavorful and does a thing and I'm like sure why not whatever like or if somebody came up to me this weekend in Richmond a friend of mine had a deck which was a rule zero based deck that had as its commander assemble the legion assemble the legion being the enchantment from gate crash which makes soldier tokens every turn and he was like look the whole deck has no creatures it's all token makers or token doublers or whatever and it's entirely thematic and it's the whole point of it is to assemble the legion so i put that card as my commander and i'm like that is hella cool and of course i'm gonna let you do it because i want to see that that's what a rule zero discussion is for what the ban list is for is there are cards that are actively detrimental to the play state and enjoyment of everybody at the table or everybody worldwide that are not or they're not compatible with what we want out of commander right like there's a card called Limited Resources, which somebody the other day was trying to get me to unban. Have you seen Limited Resources?
1: I have not, so you have to remind me what it does.
0: So this card, uh, let me pull up the text really uh, quickly, because it's very specific and really, really maybe one of the most heinous cards ever printed. Yeah, so Limited Resources is this uh, one, mono white, one white mana enchantment from Exodus. And what it says is, when Limited Resources enters a battlefield, each player chooses five lands they control and sacrifices the rest. Players can't play lands as long as 10 or more lands are on the battlefield.
1: Okay, so you can't play lands. Yeah.
0: Literally nobody ever can play another land. It is heinous. And in single yeah. player one on one, okay, fine. You can get away with yeah, that. It wasn't designed for
1: EDH, so yeah. No, it
0: absolutely wasn't. And that's why it was banned in the commander, because this is like literal lockout of the game. It's super miserable for multiplayer. Yeah. um There's a whole bunch of cards like that. But then there's things like, you know, Golos. And the reason Mm -hmm. we banned Golos, which is like one of the most popular commanders of all time, one of my favorite cards, uh, you know, five mana colorless, but uh, it has every color in its identity type of nonsense, because that was 80% of the format. And it was getting to the point that any deck you had was just better just having Golos as the leader. And we wanted to let Watsi know that this is bad for Commander. If Commander is mm-hmm. going to be the most popular format and everybody's playing Golos and nobody's having fun playing against Golos, mm-hmm. the people who are playing Golos are having a great time. But if you're sitting there against it and they're just like, okay, well, I spin the wheel off the top. I get Aetherworks Reservoir and I get Elmer cool and whatever, whatever, and I just win. It's stupid. It was miserable and it was ruining the format. And similarly, like Paradox Engine, people are like, this card is super fair and fun. And like and I'm like, it's fair and fun for you. Maybe the person next to you, but we're thinking about what is the person three seats down from you who now has to watch you for the next 45 minutes, bounce cards back and forth, up and down while you untap all your cards and maybe, or maybe not combo off that person has waited for a full hour for their turn to come back around. Mm-hmm. And that is a people that we have to think about when we're banning cards. Like it's not just, Oh, this card is too strong. It's oko, okay. It's bad. Mm-hmm. No, it's also, what is the impact upon the experience? Commander bands are less about power level and more about the experience, mm-hmm. and so Rule Zero is good for establishing the kind of game you want to play, but the band list is like these are cards that are just not good at any tier for what we want out of a social game.
1: It's good to hear that there are some parallels behind the uh, between the commander band philosophy and the band philosophy or I shouldn't say parallel, but maybe some overlaps, uh, Mm. commonalities uh, with other formats. So I'm very, I'm much more familiar with, for example, the legacy and modern formats. Sure. And yeah, you you hit it on the nose. It's like Golos would be equivalent to saying like, this is format warping. Like you basically have to, like a mental misstep where you have to, the format begins to, you revolve around it. So it's never saying that it's unbeatable because any magic strategy is beatable, but you have to go out of your way to, to beat it, and or else it's good, or else it's like 80% or 60% of the format. Well, it's format. like
0: Smuggler's Copter was remember during uh, yeah, standard yeah. Smuggler, smuggler's Copter was 16 right. out of 16 in the top eight, or whatever it was, just
1: like auto include, and then the other yeah. 56 cards, or whatever, right?
0: It's just free, or like Oko, remember the, the pro tour where oh, was I PT do Oko? remember
1: Oko <laughs> in the pro tour, I do remember even Oko in basically every format that it was, or legal like in.
0: Sahili Cat, you know, like yeah, and all yeah. of these things, or like. I mean, some people, some people, are like, you should ban Soul Ring from uh, Commander. It's ubiquitous in everything. I'm like, yeah, okay, we'll do that after Watsy banned Brainstorm from Legacy.
1: Yeah, you yeah. know what's going to
0: happen when you ban Brainstorm from Legacy? You kill Legacy.
1: It's a it's a core <laughs> format identity card. Yeah, and that's I'm exactly also, it. Yeah, yeah, Soul Ring is is like forever tied to what Commander is, right? Yeah, yeah.
0: It's half of the reason a lot of people early on when Commander was created they were like, we want to not be alt-vintage, right? Soul Ring, uh, so when Commander was started, right, it, their idea was we don't want to have it to be, um, we want it to not be alt-vintage. We don't want people to just think we're playing um, mm-hmm. single-player vintage over here. So they're like, we're going to ban power, we're going to ban some of the other vintage popular cards, Library of Alexandria, whatever. Mm-hmm. But they're like, Soul Ring is fun. Soul Ring is obviously like, in my opinion, the second most powerful magic card of all time. Mm-hmm. But they're like, we loved playing Soul Ring as kids. We want to bring it into here. It lets us pump out our Elder Dragon Highlanders much easier because, you know, Vivictus has Madi costs eight to cast. So right. it's it's really hard. And with the commander tax going up every two, having a Soul Ring means it's better. And later on, when people started to pick up Soul Ring, uh, pick up Commander, like when I got into Elder Dragon Highlander, I was like, oh my God. They've got a soul ring. Soul ring is one of my favorite cards of all time. I want to play like no format has let me play soul ring ever except for like vintage. And I'm not going to play vintage just to play soul ring and <laughs> right. deal with the rest of vintage. Right. Yeah. 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 That's and not
1: soul rings. The, the least of the, the issues right. with vintage. Right. Yeah,
0: yeah. Like I don't want to sit here and play shop smears just to have the joy of playing soul ring. Um, But soul ring is like one of those format bearing pillars. It's like a mm-hmm. card that, yeah, it's busted. We all know it's busted. But it also gives a format a character and identity that other cards don't, mm-hmm. and so it's like one of those. It's like Sol Ring and like five mana do nothing enchantments, like Doubling Season or whatever. It's just like this is what Commander should is. This is what the identity was built on. Whether it is or isn't now, that's still core to the idea. Mm-hmm. The idea of Commander. Mm-hmm. You
1: no. Know? Yeah. Hopefully, this is not an offensive term to you. Like there are certain sacred cows of the. the oh, it's format. exactly that. I mean. yes. Yeah.
0: They're definitely sacred cows. Like, it was funny, early on, uh, so the Rules Committee likes to use the CAG as sort of a test balloon to be like, hey, what would happen, what would you guys say if we banned Blah, right? Just to, so that it doesn't get yeah. out to the public, but we can have an internal discussion. And one time they are like, what would happen if we were to ban Doubling Season? Like when we were just idly thinking about Planeswalkers, right, during War of the Spark, like if you made Planeswalkers into commanders, we would have to ban a whole billion cards in order to make it happen what would happen if you banned Doubling Season? And I'm like, I would burn the house down. Forget what everybody (laughs) else would do. I personally would come and burn the house down because Doubling Season is iconic and so fundamentally important to what I think of as commander because it's a card that works nowhere else. Mm -hmm. It's a card that is explosive and stupid and does huge Timmy type effects. It is everything I want out of the game, which is like, I just make a whole crap ton of tokens on the table. Yay. And it's explosive and fun and social and interactive and silly. And well, it's not very interactive, but it is silly. Mm -hmm. And it is like, also, you can tell that it's a beloved and popular card because even when they reprint it into the ground, it still costs $80. Right.
1: Right.
0: People would riot. If you took soul ring, if you took like, I mean, soul ring away, if you took away doubling season, because that's so fundamental to something we don't get to do anywhere else. Yes. that we can do here and only here. Like, I can't go to a modern tournament. I mean, yeah, doubling season is modern legal. When was the last time you saw a doubling season in a modern tournament?
1: Never, not in. Can you
0: imagine yeah. like getting to turn four and having enough time to be like, okay, I'm just going to drop this uh, doubling season that's going to do nothing for the next three turns, mm-hmm. but eventually it's going to be really rad. By then, you've already died twice, right? Mm-hmm. Like, you've died, sideboarded, and died again before that doubling season does anything. Um, it's just. I, I understand that Commander is getting faster, and I understand that there's a, a continued of people who want to play higher power Commander, but I believe that leaving space for these really silly casual cards to still exist is core to the idea of what makes Commander a format worth playing,
1: right? So there's two things I know so far. Uh, number <laughs> one is that you're, you're a man with very strong conviction and strong <laughs> ideas. The second thing I know is not actually from this conversation, but just from interviewing your CAG mates. Um, hmm. It does seem like there, are, there is a good diversity of thought and opinion, and there's like healthy debate within the CAG oh, and such. All the time. And so I want you to give me a little bit of inside baseball, like, because you're a man with strong views, so how heated does it get in there in terms of <laughs> trying to come to some <laughs> level of consensus?
0: Okay. So the CAG is like 12 people right now. And then there's four more on the rules committee. And we used to have quarterly meetings where we would sit there and we would discuss a series of cards, go through the band list, talk about the format, whatever. And we are all very erudite, very well-spoken and very well-thought members of the community, right? Like we're people who think a lot about commander and talk a lot about commander and can and the reason we're on the CAG in the first place is because we can properly explain where we stand, mm-hmm. right? Like we're very mm-hmm. good at laying out articulating points, points articulation. View. That's what we're yeah. doing. We're very good at articulating our positions. And so you've got like a spectrum of people from like uh Betog who's like hyper, hyper, like top tier, uh, not at all casual, but super spiky level commander players all the way down to like uh Staborsky Adam Swaborski, who is basically um, even more than me, turbo casual. And we've got factions, we've got people who agree on things. There's folks who are like, we need to unban every single silver bordered and gold border card in Magic and let people just go crazy. And then there's people like, we need to have a very focused and super mega ban list. There's folks like, uh, who are like, we need to unban every card and just let people play what they want. And our discussions, the factions change every week. There's no like real factionalization. That's like, you can't sit there and say like, oh, the casual corner over there is in this, or, oh, like the Yamagumi faction over there. Is, you know? It's like, not permanent. It's, it's not permanent. The alliances are always shifting. And because our positions are all informed by the type of commander we play, the audiences that we listen to, and what we want to see out of the format. So there are rare times when you'll get full consensus. Flash was one of the ones where even Flash, there were people who were like, they can choose not to play it. We don't need to take it, uh, action because a meta can't regulate itself. That's somebody else's problem. And there's times when it's like Paradox Engine where nine out of like, or five out of six of us were like, this is destroying Commander, get rid of it. And the sixth one was like, it's, it's whatever, who cares? I mean, it, it, the our debates get, they take a long time. And there are a lot of us who are writing lengthy essays about what our positions are what this means and more importantly what does this mean for commander if this gets banned if this doesn't get banned what happened to the format how do you think people will react and like it's so valuable to get like there's people like olivia gober hicks on the um, panel she literally learned to play magic through commander and has never played any magic but commander and then there's folks who are like I've been playing since 1993 and I've got every format under my belt and I play commander to relax from the, you know, vintage tournaments I actually would rather be at or whatever. And the whole gamut runs in between. And these people aren't going to agree on everything, right? Like we can't even agree on if we should be all running made of it or not. Right. Like, um, <laughs> so our meetings will really, really get heated and really, really get passionate. I mean, the thing is we're all colleagues and we're all adults. So it's never personal, or we try not to make it personal. Though sometimes you know, when you're hot, your emotions get hot and you've been punchy. But it's I think the rules committee itself finds it incredibly valuable because they're four dudes who have been doing this since forever. They're old people, they're guys who've come from a very specific milieu, they're for judges. They're people who run in a very small, narrow group. They've got a very wide like understanding of Commander. But like I have my audience, Olivia has her audience, Charlotte has her audience, and all of our audiences reach different people. And being able to get these summations of people and bring them in and say, like, look, you guys think this card is a problem, but I'm hearing that this card is a joy and a blast for everyone. Like Bullis' Citadel. Bullis the Citadel is a hyper powerful card that's game breaking and when it came out we were like should we be looking at this card and it came down to it was like most people are playing this super fair and have a really good time and if it takes over a game it takes over a game it costs six mana of which triple black it's fine and some folks are like no you don't understand this is like destroying these specific games we left it alone but it was having that kind of perspective is um really interesting and useful we get very fighty though i mean cuz we're very talkers we're we're all talkers and so the thing you'll see in the discord all the time is like many people are typing <laughs> <laughs> it just gets
1: it gets pretty nutty yeah what would you say are the biggest i don't even maybe lessons is too strong a word but what are some of the biggest takeaways you have from being in the keg
0: i think one of the most important things is that i've learned um that a i know more magic than i thought i did which is like i used to think oh i'm just a casual scrub i just play fun timey games or whatever but it turns out i've been playing since 1994 and (laughs) i know a lot about magic and it turns out i have a very good grasp on what a magic player wants and like not just what they want but like the biggest lesson i've learned and is that The Magic community online, the deepest, most invested people, of which I'm one of them, is less than a fraction of a percent of all the people who play Magic. And we have opinions. We have very loud. We're like, yo, you know what? In my meta, we're all this way or that way. But that's four people. That's eight people. That's 20 people at your LGS. There are tens of millions of Magic players out there. And Commander decks sell out every single time exponentially. The number is going up. Like, you know, the shooting to the moon levels on the graph. And there are millions of these cards are selling. Somebody is buying those cards, and they're not all turbo spike hyper invested people. The, the stat I like is that of every commander player in the world, of every magic player, they know of every 11 magic players, Wizard of the Coast has no insight about 10 of them. As in, we know about one of the 11 magic players. One don't in know 11. About the other- Yeah, 1 in 11, which is a tiny fraction. And people are like, yeah, but there's like 40,000 people on the Reddit. I'm like, yeah, but there's 400 million Magic players. (laughs) Like, What do you want? Um, And one of the other things I've realized is not to discount my taste and my personal play style. Because the average Magic player who goes to an LGS or jams a game with their friend, they're playing at home. They're playing with their fun theme deck. They're playing whatever pre-cons. But they're treating this as one of a bundle of what they're doing mm-hmm. this is not magic as lifestyle this is magic as hobby alongside katan alongside you know words of the friend, whatever their group games are that they're doing magic just happens to be one they pull off the shelf and they're like hey let's have commander night those people deserve representation as much as turbo spikes do as much as invested players do and Somebody needs to stick out for them because we need to have empathy because our decisions don't just impact the 1% of players. They impact everybody who go into the store. I don't want like Lutri. Lutri is a good example. So Lutri, when they put out companions for Ikoria, Wizard of the Coast came to us like two, three weeks before. And they're like, look, these cards are coming out. There's going to be 10 of them, one for each color pair. This one is going to be bad in Commander because every single uh, red, blue X deck We'll get to play it for free and you guys should either ban it or think about what you're gonna do about the mechanic or whatever and i'm like why would you design a card that you know we have to ban for something that and make it an it's, it's
1: like it's like coming out with a known bug no major yeah. bug in a software release uh, if right, i remember exactly that card was like preemptively banned right or something it,
0: it was banned literally the moment they announced it like okay. we banned it before they announced it they like all right, well, we're announcing command. Uh, we're announcing companions. Here are the 10. Also, Lutri is banned in command. And we had a huge two hour long debate about no, three hour long debate about that. About should we ban companions in general? Should we just let it go as is? Yeah. Should we ban just Lutri? And I said, look, whatever you want to do, we need to announce it before pre release. And they're like, why? I'm like, because some kid is going to go into the store, hear about a brand new adorable otter that is red, blue, buy a deck, buy a whole thing, pay $50 to buy that Lutri. They're going to go home on Monday and they're going to find out Lutri is banned. And that is going to be just burning their money. If -hmm. you're going to ban it. And if we know that this card is broken and we're not going to put it in there, then Mm -hmm. do the right thing. Take the hit now and just save those kids that sadness. Mm -hmm. And we did. And I was like, I'm still pissed at Watsy for, um, putting this on us in the first place mm-hmm. like is that the only red blue effect uh, the only red blue condition you could think of is have it singleton really and why would you put it on a? why couldn't they put it on a, like an elemental or like an ooze or some a noggle you know some garbage card but no it's a first otter and so now everybody hates the commander rules committee and CAG because we banned otters and magic and I'm like this is infuriating <laughs> like this is so dumb because the card is obviously not okay and then they changed the rules for companions, anyways, because they realized the friggin' thing is busted in all of magic to get to begin with. Companions I mean, is
1: just in this like so magic twilight zone of I can't they believe to this happens. They're they
0: like, people yeah. like Commander. What if we make all of Magic Commander? I'm like, no, no, don't do that. It's so yeah.
1: Lurus is
0: so broken.
1: I, I'm just uh, okay. I, I'm, I'm wondering, like, how you view through this lens or maybe just as a commander player like how it is that how do you even reconcile doing your your job in the keg versus designing magic cards because if i were wizards okay this is assuming like a perfectly efficient system (laughs) if i were wizards i would just be looking at what has been banned in commander in the past with what's considered unfun and I would just put two and two together. I would just basically say, "Well, Commander is a very popular format. We're obviously already designing for Commander, so let's just not ever design cards that become that. Because if there's going to be cards that are very good for competitive play, but those generally are not the same cards in Commander because they don't they cost two mana and not six. So if we make something that costs six or eight mana, you know, we don't have to make an Iona. Mm-hmm. Yeah, basically, we don't have to make an Iona. So I guess the question here is like does that frustrate you having to deal with the after effects of those design decisions obviously fully understanding that you guys are not designers and oh designers want to flex and there's a there's a whole thing that goes into design including ego and I want to make something completely new just because I can so how do you how do you reconcile these kind of different forces you know sometimes it seems like they're just making cards to say that I made this card. It's not even for a player, maybe.
0: Well, the the thing is, sometimes I make a card and you're like, who is this for? And then one person will be like, this is the one card I've been waiting my whole life for. And it's fine. It's great. I love to see like these random cards find homes. But one of the things is that the rules committee has started taking a much broader hand, not necessarily in designing cards themselves, but in like, hey, man, this is going to be bad for Commander. Let's not. And then... the thing is, R and D doesn't want to have their cards banned. They want to sell cards, right? Like their whole goal is: we need to sell more cards. We need to make cool cards to sell. But one of the issues we had was that Wizards understands Commander is very popular, but they had set up on the people who were making Commander cards a bunch of folks who are former Pro Tour players or former Turbo Spikes. And they're like, you know, when I'm designing a card it probably would be better if it had a less one less mana or if it made one more thingy like Dockside extortion as being only two mana is obscene that is absolutely obscene or like they there were people who were just like trying to make turbo efficient tournament level cards for a format that is meant to be slow and dirty and that's not going to fly right like that's bad for that is a complete mismatch of of their if efforts versus our goals and sometimes it does feel a little bit like we're slapping them on the wrist for doing something that they shouldn't have, like Golos. Golas is like a perfectly fine card. No, there's no format in which Golus is a perfectly fine card, except for Cube, right? Because they put Golas and Field of the Dead in the same goddamn environment. Mm. I don't know why, but um, Golos being a five-color uh, uh, colorless oh, color. i
1: guess players like ramp decks so that's yeah, yeah
0: i love ramp decks i loved golos i love spinning but you know who did golos right do you remember svela from kaldheim the green red ogre that could for like six and red green basically do the same golos effect that's a fixed way of doing that it costs a stupid amount of mana mm-hmm. perfect for commander and mm-hmm. it's locked in colors so you can't do it but sometimes r and is like they'll make things like sylvan primordial which is like hey what if i make a big green titan that does land destruction and then ramps me three and it's like that's bad for commander that's stupid let's not do that mm-hmm. i think having a lot more commander players there though now understand what kind of the format is about because they're like look we're trying to make some cards with the high end but we're trying to do it in a way that does not destroy the low end and i'm like that is a balance that is very hard to walk but it's most important because like i think almost I think one lesson I wish Wizards would learn is that you don't have to design hyper-powerful cards. You just need to make cards that are going to keep the, low, the broad base of Commander going because the hyper-powerful spiky players will find those cards and they will make use of them and they'll break them in ways you did not expect to see and it'll be amazing, and they'll feel real clever about it. And you'll feel like, and and Commander won't be broken, but these guys will both get their um, puzzle solving. As opposed to like making a Raghavan, which is so on its face, super fast, super obvious, super broken. And you're like, this is just, why would you do this? Why would you take the fun away? Like sometimes when you look at a Hullbreacher or like Jewel Lotus, it feels like they're over-designing cards. And they're like, oh, there's a whole, you know what? Here's the better analogy commander is originally a format that was built out of digging for garbage cards out of the back of the bins at LGS in order to find a way to fill a hole in your deck that you can't like my black red deck needs to destroy enchantments. Okay. I'm going to use a seven casting cast and casting cost colorless artifact that lets me destroy target permanent. Cause it's the only thing I've got rad. That is you figuring out a way to make a thing happen. Mm-hmm. Um, or they can just be like, Hey, what if we just gave black ability to make you discard or sack your biggest enchantment? I'm like, you guys found a hole, you built a card for it, that's great for normal magic, but what you did was just close the door for creativity for commander, and we get like Arcane Signet, which was in the Brawl decks that came out in Eldraine. It's a colorless uh, mana rock that taps for any color of your commander's identity, and it costs two. What it basically did was they were like, oh, we're playing Brawl, and Brawl is bad mana fixing, so what if we just make this universal mana rock? It'll be great. What they didn't understand is by doing that, they basically pushed every three cost three casting cost rock out of the format and like 20 of the two casting cost rocks out of the format because why would you ever play anything that's worse than just tap get the mana i need for two mana it's like yeah. the best mana rock ever printed it's absurd and then you could see that wizard was like oh we messed up because they've started making things like uh midnight clock which is you know lets you time twister after you get 12 counters on it or whatever or cursed mirror which is comes into play into three mana red rock and it clones something, gives it haste, and then it can be, just become a tap for a red. And by doing that, they're refinding the space to be able to make commander a slower, more lumpy format that does weirder things. Like, obviously, the commander of my youth, where I could just sit there and play random crap cards from Nemesis or whatever, is gone. I get it. But that doesn't mean that we need to be making every deck into Apollo or Vitor Dominarosa super speed, you know, top tier tournament deck, right? It's Commander. If we want to sit and have a social time and we're done it before we're finished shuffling, what's the point? That's why Fastest Oracle is so dumb. I hate that card. Why'd I have to say win the game?
1: (laughs) Anyway. So here's here's also another thing I'm picking up is uh, not just from today, but also from your tweets. Like your mind is just this living encyclopedia of magic cards and illustrious (laughs) history of magic cards and i think it's probably you and carmen handy or two people i've talked to so far that just have this incredible recall of magic cards in general like you guys are basically like living human (laughs) gatherers or skyfalls i'm wondering how much of your time is spent thinking about magic like are you just thinking about it all the time because too much of my time i was going to ask you like how do you come up with the tweets because it seems to be <laughs> <laughs> I, on the one hand very spontaneous on the other it's like that's incredible kind of like there's so much that you're thinking about
0: so when twitter came out and when i joined twitter 10 years ago uh what i realized is that this is the perfect medium for me i am i have adhd but i'm also a storyteller and I like to tell stories in bite-sized chunks and Twitter with a character limitation gave me a way to force myself to edit into bite-sized chunks that I could then link into a very long story, but tell it at the pace of a story that I'm telling orally as opposed to writing it out. Cause the conventions, uh, the conventions of oral storytelling versus verbal uh, written storytelling are different. Like I don't have to explain like the, the nature. I mean, the, when you're telling a story, you can take liberties with, Setting with detail with thinking that you don't have the luxury to do when you're writing. You have to tell people where they're looking when they're reading a novel, but when you're orally reciting a story or telling a thread or something like that, you can tell it. Pause. They will follow you along. So let me tell you a story. Um, I on my main on my main Twitter, I'm a I do a lot of like social justice stuff, but I also do a lot of Hindu storytelling. And what I like to do when I'm telling these stories and. I will do it in real time. I will write them out as I'm going because I've got all these things in my head and I'm just going through and writing a story of this God or this goddess or whatever. And I will put in pauses temporarily, as in the tweet will wait. And I've gotten messages from people who are like hundreds of people are waiting for me to hit the next tweet so they can see where the story goes. People who've been glued to their phone for three hours watching this narrative just kind of unfold over 80, 90 threads, 80, 90 tweets. And that power and that just kind of ability to control an audience is so joyful to me. And Twitter also, because ADHD means I've got like sp- split second thoughts that I just shoot out there. That is not, that is good and bad, right? Like it's great. I can, I've got a medium that I can just dump my brain on, but it's also like, maybe I didn't need to send that tweet. Maybe I really didn't need to send that tweet. There have been times when like Sheldon has like sent me a DM saying, Hey, Stop. Stop now, bad doggy! get off. And I'm like, fair. I shouldn't be getting into fights with everybody. But um, but I do have, I'm, I'm, I'm quick. That I've got quick uh, reaction and quick reflexes. I'm not necessarily quick while playing magic, but I'm quick while talking about magic mm-hmm. and thinking about it because when you're a, commander, forces you to think about magic cards differently. It forces you to look at cards that connect to things in ways that you don't expect. And that's where the fun of commander is. But more than that is that I'm really good at looking at what everybody else has done and synthesizing it into a bite-sized way that I can then feed to people. And like, I don't know, I just, I I really like it. I really take to it well.
1: That's a very unique skill. And I'm wondering if you have considered also just doing, I don't, actually, I don't know. Maybe you already have a TikTok or like YouTube (laughs) or doing these other things where you can do shorts and you can, you can really take that into a, and marry that with kind of a visual Style as well.
0: I mean, I've some folks are trying to get me to do more TikToks because it's definitely exactly the sort of thing that I could do. But there's something about writing that I'm just good at. Yeah. And the other things are much more difficult for me.
1: Mm -hmm. I don't know. I don't know. Another thing I want to ask you is just, you know, you have two Twitter accounts, you have one for magic, one for non-magic, as you said. And Mm -hmm. there's, there's a lot of, like, as you said, there's like bursts of information (laughs) and sharing. And it's actually something that I, like, I'm not trying to relate myself to you completely, but it's like, I have found that being a content person or being a public content person that you kind of have to have a brand, right? Because we had talked Mm -hmm. about how, you know, I mean, obviously you're so much more than just magic or commander, but people will be like, you know, Shivam is... The guy on the keg or Shivam is the commander uh, you know super commander casual person yeah, um, sure. do you find that also maybe this is like kind of relating it to your first podcast but do you find that also a bit constraining because like I think of course the, the thing is that everybody has so many things going on right I know you were really into Diablo and you're really into <laughs> Street Fighter and you're really into storytelling and um you know maybe hindu lore and things like that but then people tend to prefer to put all of us into a box so how how do you feel about that
0: so i understood very early like so here's the thing right like i had my main twitter feed for a long time and i used it as a split between random of people doing twitter and then also i was going to discuss um Like, and I would go into like, you know, religious things, Twitter, Hindu things or political things. And then I would talk about magic. And then Kaladesh was announced and it was going to start coming out. And that's when, because as an Indian who's been playing magic for a long time, an Indian based set was going to be supremely important to me. And I was like, okay, you know what? I realize and I can see it coming that I'm going to have a lot of things I want to talk about. And I don't want to keep diluting my main Twitter feed with magic for all the people who follow me who don't care about that. So I'm going to split off and make a magic only feed. Mm -hmm. And the upside of that was that it gave me a place that when politics or the real world becomes too heavy, I've got a place I can turn to that I can just go and go to my happy place, talk about magic and do that. Or when magic gets too dumb, I can go back to my main feed and go back to talking to my friends about Street Fighter or whatever. And you're right, because it's all about having a brand. It's all about having an identity. And I don't know. I mean, I don't want to be the commander guy, but I am. But also I like being known as a person who is the empathetic guy, the person who is here to stand up for casual play of any kind. I'm I love the fact that there are people who can look at me as an example and sit there and say, like, I've become a better person in my pods because I can look at you and see that you've become a better person over the course of time, more adaptive, more you know, resilient. And yeah, I love Civilization, I love Street Fighter, I love Diablo, I, I love I was in the games industry for a long time. Of course I yeah. love games, but like I mean, D&D and Dragonlance are even bigger for me than magic is, but Dragonlance is dead, so magic it is. Um, And having those two, because on my main feed, it's gotten to the point that I've got some followers that are just like, there are people on there who are like, you know, rabbis with millions of followers who follow me or like the Secretary General of the United Nations, the Under Secretary General of the United Nations, Shashi Tharoor, he follows me on Twitter why does he follow me on Twitter? I have no idea. He's a guy who's like, you know, the people who follow him are like, you know, statehood state leaders Mm -hmm. and like prime ministers. And he follows me because like, I talk about Hinduism in a cool way. And that's the sort of thing that I'm like, I don't want this guy knowing my thoughts about Jazam Jin. Like he doesn't (laughs) need to know what I care about. Ernum, him, earn Right. Like this is not a thing I need to waste his time with.
1: Interesting. (laughs) I guess. Yeah. I guess when your platform gets to that, like uh, you, you that sort learn, of like, level scale yeah, yeah
0: there's a point where you have to just realize who's your audience what are they here for and what do they want and especially during the trump era it got to a point where i'm like it's really important for me to have as a progressive dark-skinned person living in america where this is not the best political climate having a place where i can just sit there and talk about magic cards in a safe neutral way was so important for my own personal mental health and in being able to do so and being able to have that kind of window that I can go over here or go over here and then, you know, join the CAG. And of course, like once I become part of the like a leadership board or my podcast or whatever, and my numbers start spiking, I don't need all of these people worrying about all of my normal opinions. And I like having a place where my other friends who are my real friends can sit and talk to me. And it's important to set your claim and build up a brand and have your own identity separate from who you are. Because yeah, it's, it sucks to be pigeonholed sometimes, but it's also a good way to quarantine it such mm. that you can allow this part of your life to not take over your whole life, mm. even though magic has taken over my whole life.
1: Mm. That's a really unique perspective. I have to, I have to process that and try well, to it can, use it, you know, I mean, learn it's from so
0: that. important. Like you got to have one thing. So I worked in video games. I worked at Sony PlayStation. I used to work on video games, like uncharted or God of war, whatever it is. And, what I realized after a decade of working in video games or about video games and stuff, I would come home from work and I'd be like, I don't want to look at or talk about or think about a video game. I want to do literally anything else. And that's when I learned there, there's that lie that you hear all the time, which is like, if you turn your hobby into your job, you'll never work a day in your life. No. What it means is if you turn your hobby into your job, you will never have a place where you can run away from your job and just go and escape. Like can escape. Yeah. Yeah. Like, so I would come home and I would just read books or play magic or something and once magic started becoming more and more of a job for me then I was like okay I love magic I want to keep loving magic but if I don't I need to have a place where I can go and talk about my favorite novel or talk about a movie I watch or talk about some garbage and just separate that out entirely so mm-hmm. that I can just leave magic in its walled garden and I can move on be healthy and come back when I feel good about it
1: again You can have multiple zones of where you want to put your interest in. And at any time you can jump between them, right? You don't don't have to feel like I have to stay in this zone.
0: Exactly. And that way also I can just talk about things and not worry. Like I can talk about Minecraft and not worry like, Oh, the magic people are going to be all missing. And I'm talking about Minecraft or whatever. Who cares? Like there's one space to be human and one space to be business human. And that's what my magic feed is, is business human.
1: (laughs) Excellent. So Shivam, what's the best place for people to find you on social or where you want to be found? <laughs> you can find me at Gear Puri
0: Gears, uh, which is my main Twitter feed for magic or my podcast, Casual Magic, which comes out every Tuesday and on YouTube. Uh, yeah.
1: Excellent. Thank you for your time. And uh, I <laughs> really enjoyed the conversation.
0: Yeah, we didn't even talk about my past or where I learned to play magic or any of the things that you talked about. Oh, that that's going to be like
1: a 4-hour special, so <laughs> yeah, right? you know. Look, well, I, yeah. I
0: remember your the episode you did with um Peace Holly, where you guys talked about basketball for like 45 minutes and I was like just grouping Oh, that was, that, so was that was that was
1: my life. experimental phase. I'm not yeah, I know it's like that was like that was a weird one because it was uh it was like more I wanted to talk about her than the guest did sometimes <laughs> and it was just like maybe that's not the way to be so go warriors um, go warriors. But,
0: <laughs> but it was wild though because like I had P. Solly on my show and he is one of the most intelligent and erudite people I've ever met and he is so like I had no idea how much he deeply knows about game design until I started listening to his show and like had him on my show and I'm like damn this guy he just plays a dry straight man to Cedric all the time and it turns out He's actually yeah. a genius. Who is He's got a lot hilarious. going on. He's got a lot yeah. going on. Yeah. That's Anyways, for sure. I'm a big fan of your show and I'm super excited. Thank you so much for having me.
1: You're welcome. <laughs> Thank you for listening to this episode of Humans of Magic. To support the show, visit humansofmagic.com. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at humans of magic. And you can also consider supporting us at patreon.com slash humansofmagic. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time.